Hallelujah. If you have your Bibles with you this morning, I want you to turn with me to the book of Nehemiah, chapter 2. Nehemiah, chapter 2, and verse 1. Bible says this. It says, One day in April, four months later, I was, as I was serving the king his wine, he asked me, Why so sad? You aren't sick, are you? You look like a man with deep troubles. For until then, I had always been cheerful when I was with him. I was badly frightened, but I replied, Sir, why shouldn't I be sad? For the city where my ancestors are buried is in ruins, and the gates have been burned down. Let's pray this morning. Heavenly Father, we thank you. Lord, we thank you for this beautiful day that you have made. Lord, we pray right now, Lord God, for a refreshing, restraining, and renewing this morning, Father, in our lives. Lord, that we would not only be hearers, but doers of your word, Father. Lord God, we know that you are faithful. We know, Lord God, that your work will be done. And Father, help us, Lord God, to be a part of your kingdom building. Lord, we pray right now, Father, that you would help us to surrender our lives to you. And Father, we thank you. We pray this in Jesus' name. And the church says... Amen and amen. We read here the story of Nehemiah and the rebuilding of the walls of Jerusalem. It's a story of faith, of prayer, and God's help. I mean, you know that we need God's help, amen? Turn to your neighbor and tell him, you need, you need God's help. See, Jerusalem was conquered by the Babylonians and found themselves, a large part of their population of Judah was taken into exile in Babylon. The Jews spent several decades, decades in exile to Babylon. Nehemiah, who was a cup bearer for the king of Persia, and a cup bearer had the, had the specific role of, of tasting the king's wine before he did, just in case it was poisoned. How many of you would like to have that job? <laughs> It'd be like, you know, just, you know, one, 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 one bad drink and that's it, right? Gone with that person. But Nehemiah was also a trusted advisor of the king. When Nehemiah found out the current state of his people and the city's wall, he knew that he had to do something about it. And it reminds us all too well of society today. The ruin that society finds itself in. We have individuals and, you know, probably even nations that are, are set on making it a life's purpose uh, to get rid of anything in relation to God. And people are doing this because they don't want to even hear the name. And it's no wonder why we find ourselves in the predicament that we find ourselves in. Why? Because many have chosen to throw God aside and say, we don't need him. We don't need him. He just, he just messes things up. Or he's not even real. Stop believing in, these, in those fairy tales. We know that when a 
people reject God, we know what happens. Well, we have to live with the consequences. We have to, we have to now face the decision that we have made to reject God and say, you know what, that is not for me. He's not for me. How many of us, the children of God, have made it our life's mission to restore the foundation in this world with the word of God, with the truth? How many know the truth shall set us free, amen? Shall set us free. Many times the truth hurts, but we need it. It is necessary we need that foundation. We need the biblical principles, amen, to stand upon. See, the Jews in Jerusalem saw that the walls had been down for years. They probably felt like it was a lost cause. We can't fix this. It's been messed up for too long. You know, how many times in our lives do we look at things that way? And say, there's no fixing this or that. It's been too many years of this. There's no going back. This is just the way life is going to be. But how many know that that's a lie from the pit of hell, amen? That's a lie because God can restore anything, amen? God can restore anybody. It doesn't matter what you've done. God is in the business of restoration, amen? He's restored you and I. I'm sure when, you're, when the person sitting next to you looks at you, they have no idea the person that you used to be. They have no idea. Some of us are saying, oh, thank God for that, right? <laughs> if they only knew. See, but that's the supernatural power of God. Because God does a work in someone, and the person sitting next to you can't even tell what you went through. Because that's the power of God. I entitled this sermon this morning, Restore, Rebuild, Renew. Restore, Rebuild, Renew. The first point I want to look at is, is the restoration process. Restoring vision. See, Nehemiah had to plant a vision that he had into the lives of the people. Nehemiah understood the importance of rebuilding the wall. In Nehemiah chapter 2 and verse 1, when he says, I looked at my city in ruins, and it hurt me. It hurt me deeply. I can't stand to watch nothing take place in regards to the rebuilding. I can't, I can't do this. He says, I can't sit back and do nothing. This means too much to me. I remember hearing a story about a cemetery who was digging up caskets on their lot so they can resell the plots. I mean, can you imagine if that was your family members in there? You would be furious. You'd be upset. Nehemiah wept knowing that his 
ancestors were buried in that very city that was destroyed. We know that in those times, the purposes or the purpose of that wall was to bring security to those people in the city. Just like at your home, you may have things, you may have things in place for security. This was their security. It was key. And it reminds me of our lives, of anything that may be, of any open, open areas in our lives that, that we may have, uh, 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 that may have been torn down, that we may not even be aware of in our lives. But because of allowing certain things to take place and indulging in this and that, we become desensitized. I mean, oh, God wants to restore those walls in our lives. God wants to bring back that security in yours and mine's life. Amen? Just like Nehemiah, we need to recognize the need, plant the vision, not only in our lives, but in those lives around us. The Bible says in Proverbs 29, Solomon says, without vision, people perish. What does that mean? That means that people are wandering aimlessly. You ever seen someone who's just, who just, you know, quite doesn't know what to do? You know, maybe, maybe you're on a, maybe you're at a job site. You know, maybe you're, you're at work and there's that individual who just kind of does not know his place. He doesn't know what to do. So he stands around and, you know, hands in pocket and he isn't even a supervisor, right? <laughs> but he has his hands in his pocket and he's not doing anything because he doesn't know what he what is supposed to be doing. And the Bible says that was like, that's like us without vision. We just wander aimlessly. We're, we're looking around. What do I do? Where am I needed? Can I, can I just skip out? No one's going to notice. Planting the vision, restoring the vision is what Nehemiah did for those around. He also, we also come to the place of the rebuilding. Rebuilding momentum. Putting our faith into action in Nehemiah chapter 2 verse 17. He says, then I said to them, who is the Jewish leaders, he said, you see the bad situation that we are in how Jerusalem is desolate and lies in ruins, and its gates have been buried with fire. Come, Nehemiah says, and let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem so that we no longer be a disgrace. And, and Nehemiah was urging, urging the religious leaders to, to step up and to be a part of this rebuilding. Turn to your neighbor and, and tell him, or ask him, are you ready to build? See, Nehemiah was saying, I'm not going to just sit back and watch. I'm not going to just take a back seat to what I'm looking at right now and just be, and just be passive in this. I'm not going to say it can't be done because I know it can be done. I'm not going to say it's a lost cause because this means too much to me. How much does it mean to you? 
Those areas in your life that you have given up on, maybe. Those people that you have, that you have thrown in the towel on and said, you know what, They're, there's no changing them. No, God can do anything. Nothing is impossible for him. No thing or no person. This quote, I'm sure you're very familiar with, says this. It says, there are people who make things happen. There are people who watch things happen. And then there are people who wonder what happened. You know, I liken that to maybe events that we have here at our church. And where we have to do a lot of setup and things like that and you know, you have people who just come, right, who just come to, to partake, and they have no clue how things got done, right? They, they look at it, and they, and they think, wow, that's, that's very nice. And then they think, well, we had service last night. How did that happen? You know, did it, was it, you know, was, you know, just miraculously set up? You know, someone snapped their finger and it was done. They have no idea that people, you know, stood, you know, X amount of time after the service to get things done or had to come early that next morning to set up. We know that many things behind the scenes that get done, we want to be used by God, don't we? Don't you? You want to be used by God. You don't want to be the person who says, wow, how did that happen? How did I miss all of this? I don't want to miss out. I don't want you to miss out on the blessings that God has for you in your service to him. See, because God blesses a servant heart, amen? He blesses our service to him. Don't be that person who says, you know what, that's just the way things are. It cannot change. The Bible says in Ezra chapter 4, that King Artaxerxes ordered that Jerusalem's wall was not to be rebuilt. He made an order that the walls were to not be rebuilt. Now Nehemiah could have said, you know what, that's just the way it is. He made an order, and what can I do about it? The king said it. How am I going to change what he has already set in place. But I thank God that Nehemiah didn't do that. I'm sure the people around him thank God that Nehemiah said, you know what, I'm not going to accept this. But I'm going to do something to make a difference. I'm going to do something to change what is taking place right now. There may be things that you look at in your uh, uh, at, in your nation, and you think things that you don't like, well, what are you doing to change these things? Or are we just complaining? Are we praying about these things? Are we giving them to God? See, the Bible says that Nehemiah sought God. We need to pray first, amen? Turn to your neighbor and ask him, have you prayed yet? Come on, tell him. Seriously, tell him. Or have you prayed yet? See, because this is detrimental in our lives. Nehemiah says this in Nehemiah chapter 1 and verse 4. 
He says, when I heard this, the destruction of the wall and the danger they face, I sat down and wept. In fact, for days I mourned, fasted, and prayed to the God of heaven. Then I said, O Lord, God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of unfailing love and see, and see me praying, look down and see me praying night and day for your people, Israel. I confess that we have sinned against you. Yes, he says, even my own family and I have sinned. We have sinned terribly by not obeying the commands, decrees, and regulations that you gave us through your servant Moses. He says, please remember what you told your servant Moses. That if you are unfaithful to me, I will scatter you among the nations. But if you return to me and obey my commands and live by them, then even if you are exiled to the ends of the earth, I will bring you back to the place I have chosen for my name to be honored. The people you rescued by your great power and strong hands are your servants, O Lord. Please hear my prayer. Listen to the prayers of those of us who delight in honoring you. Please grant me success today by making the king favorable to me. Put it into his heart to be kind to me. You see, Nehemiah sought God. Nehemiah sought God for his favor. Because he says, God, I'm going to go to my king and I'm going to tell him what needs to be done. And I'm going to share with him my heart. And I want to share with him that that I, I am so torn with seeing my city like this. And I'm going to ask him if, if he would allow me to start rebuilding. Nehemiah took that step of faith. The Bible, we know what took place. The king said yes to him and allowed him to start rebuilding. See, what do you do when life gets difficult? Do you exercise? Do you sleep? Do you listen to music? Do you eat? Yes, these may be some, some good things to do when you're stressed, but the best thing to do is prayer. The best thing you can do in your life is pray, amen? When you are going through life's difficulties, you need to seek God. When you are, when you are going through an impossible situation, you need to seek God, amen? When you're going to ask for, for an impossible favor, amen, you need to seek God in your life. And God is going to open those doors for you and I. See, in the face of the nation's ongoing cultural demise, Nehemiah didn't propose a, a, a Jerusalem New Deal. No, he sought God. The Bible says he prayed and fasted. The Bible says that through prayer, Nehemiah and those assisting him were able to reverse years and years of deterioration in just 52 days. 52 days. The walls of Jerusalem 
could have averaged about 40 feet high and about two and a half miles long. They completed this task in 52 days. That's supernatural. That's unheard of. You know, sometimes it takes, sometimes it takes you know, a whole week to get the wall at your house, you know, 60 feet of wall taken care of. And you're like, you know, you know, man, this is a long project. This is a lot of work. Well, can you imagine 40 feet high and two and a half miles long? See, what does that tell you and I? That means to us that prayer saves time. If you want to save time in your life, that precious time that God has given you, start praying. Because when you don't see God, we're that individual who wanders aimlessly. Who doesn't, who doesn't quite know what we're aiming at. But when we, when we seek him, amen, he gives us direction. And he says, go this way. Go this way. And I will be with you. And I will give you victory. And I will give you favor. This is what he tells us. See, prayer needs to be a first response in our lives, not a last resort. But we need to be aware. You need to be, be aware of weapons of mass distraction. Weapons of mass distraction in our lives. See, distractions can cause us to shift our attention to or from something of greater importance to something of lesser importance. Let me tell you what I mean. You might better understand. How many of you have ever went to the supermarket while hungry? God bless you. Then you know exactly what I mean. You know, you went, you went to go buy some bread and milk, but you ended up coming back with all of, with all of these, these, these just, uh, 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 you know, sweets and, and, and all of this bad food. And be, why? Because you went hungry. You got distracted. You went, you went through the aisle with all the candy, and you got distracted. You were supposed to get some, some, some regular Cheerios, but then those chocolate Cheerios were just calling your name. You got distracted. The worst part is sometimes is that we go to get certain things and we leave without even buying the things that we went there for in the first place. <laughs> you got distracted. What are some things that cause distraction in our lives? Social media. Social media causes so many distractions in our lives, doesn't it? I told the first service that I just renamed social media Weapons of Mass Distraction. That's the new name for it. Because that's what it does. It distracts us. It, it, it causes us to, to, to compare our lives to everyone else's, doesn't it? I wish I had their life. No, you don't. It's fake. It's fake. <laughs> What you're looking at is hours of preparation for one photo. It's fake. You have exactly what God wants you to have. Stop wishing that you had something else. 
But that's what it does. It, it distracts us. I think of how easy it is to be distracted when you're driving. I read a poll that said that 60, uh, 64% of all accidents in the U.S. are related to cell phone use while driving. 64%. That's a lot. One in four accidents are caused by texting while driving. And I'm sure that number is probably higher today. But we all know how easy it is to get distracted. But we know that distractions can be deadly, can't they? Just as you driving on your phone, it can be deadly, sadly. And in our spiritual lives, it is no different. When we get distracted with what so-and-so is doing, when we get distracted with, with, what you, with what you think you should be, and we our eyes get taken off of where God is leading us. And we say, God, no, I should be over here. God says, no, you stay right where you're at. You stay right where you're at. Don't get distracted. Don't take your eyes off of me. Because these are, these are weapons of mass distraction here. And, and, and they, they, believe me, they are, they are tough ones. They are tough ones to, to, to avoid and to keep your eyes off of but you need to keep your eyes on me. I remember getting distracted in our, in our church in East Long Beach. You know, it was obviously a lot smaller. And so whenever, you know, sometimes, not all the time, but whenever someone sometimes would, would walk out of a service during, you know, during, during the sermon, I'd be thinking like, oh, man, is that something I said? Like, you know, you know did, did, I, did I say the wrong thing? But, you know, they were just going to the restroom. You know, it was, it, was, it was no big deal. They weren't mad. They weren't leaving the church. They just had to, you know, go relieve themselves. And, it, and over here, I'm thinking, you know, I'm thinking all the negative, and I'm thinking the worst. But I was distracted by that one person when God wanted me to focus on the, you know, four or five visitors that we had that day. You see how easy we can become distracted. How easy we can become sidetracked. See, when you, when you and I are moving forward, we're going to face distractions. Is it even worth it to rebuild this wall? Is it worth our time and our efforts? The enemy wants to highlight the negatives. See, Nehemiah faced the great distractor, Sambalat, and he was, he was against the rebuilding. He was against it. He came against them tooth and nail because of political reasons. The Bible says that he was furious about the rebuilding. Many times in our lives, we can become distracted with things that aren't happening. What do I mean by that? Well, God, I'm praying for this and this, and I don't see any change. I don't see things getting any better. And we get distracted. And we get distracted. And we start focusing on the negatives. And we start focusing on, on 
on the, the things that uh, uh, we can see with our physical eyes. But how many know that when we pray, when we pray about things, we're supposed to give it to God. We're supposed to give it to God in our prayers. We're supposed to say, God, here it is today. I'm going to give this to you. I don't want to carry this all of my day, so I'm giving this to you today. I'm giving this to you today. I'm giving him and her. You can have them. I'm giving them to you today, Lord, because I want to have a great day today. And so I'm going to let you fight my battles. I'm not going to stress about this. I'm not going to worry about, about, about what to say. I'm not going to worry about, you know, you know, saying the wrong thing. Lord, listen, I'm going to give this to you, and I'm going to focus on your goodness. And I'm going to focus on your faithfulness that you've had upon my life, the forgiveness that you have shown me, the love, the patience that you have for me. I'm going to focus on these things, Lord. I'm going to focus on the hope that I have in you, the future that I have in you. Two ways to avoid distraction in our lives, very quickly here. Number one is know your role. Know your role. See, not knowing your role will cause distraction. In the book of Luke, chapter 10, we know the story of when Jesus went to visit Martha and Mary. In in chapter 10, verse 40, it says this, It says, but Martha was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. Now, is it bad to cook a big dinner for someone? No, it is not. But Jesus, what Jesus wanted from Martha was for Martha just to sit and listen. Martha, I want you to do what Mary is doing. Mary sat at the feet of Jesus and just listened. And Martha was so distracted with, with all these things that she felt she needed to do. And Jesus didn't even ask her to do these things. She took it upon herself. Many times we do things, you know, not, 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 to, not, you know, not in a bad way. But, you know, we, we tend to do things sometimes, you know, trying to be helpful. But... There's many times where God says, no, know your role. Right now, when I am with you, I just need you to listen. I don't want you doing this or this and that. I mean, there's, there's times in our lives when we want to we do everything in one day, right? Just, I want to conquer, you know, I want to I conquer Rome in one day. But number two, not only do you need to know your role, but number two is slow your role. See, God is telling us to slow your role, Amen. Because sometimes we just get too busy in life. Sometimes we just, we just think, oh, I, I, I need to do this and this and this, and, and my to-do list is, is, just, is just unrecordable. So many things that I have to get done. Can you hurry up with the service, Pastor? I got kids' birthday parties to do today. Believe me, I have quite a few so I know about this but you're thinking of things that you have to do and God is saying slow your roll slow your roll this is my time this is my time with you this is my time where I want to share my word with you because this is the this is the most important part of your day 
Because yes, you have a busy day, and the only way you're going to get it done without yelling and screaming and without stressing out or, or, or beating someone up is to allow me to help you. Lastly here is to renew. Renewing our faith. I mean, know that it's in those times where we see God move in the supernatural. It renews your faith, doesn't it? When you, when you, when you, see, when you see God provide where you have no idea, no idea how he did it, it renews your faith, doesn't it? You're struggling financially, and then you head back to work on Monday, and they they say, you know what? We've been thinking about it. We're going to give you a raise. And and, And you're like, oh, man, I just renewed my faith, right? My faith has been renewed. Glory to God. I'm going to be at service on on Wednesday just shouting victory. (laughs) You should be shouting anyways, right? And not profanities, but good things. (laughs) Because God is on the move. He's always on the move for you and I. He's always doing things behind the scenes. Hebrews 3, verse 4 says, For every house is built by someone, but God is the builder of everything. See, the Bible isn't referring to a literal house, but a spiritual house. God is the builder of everything. God has created you and I. He's given you the breath. You didn't do it on your own. You didn't have the strength and the smarts to birth yourself. No one birthed themselves here. You can't take credit for it. Look at what I did. I'm here because of me. No. Look at my smarts, look at my intelligence, look at my good looks. You can't take credit for that. That's the way you were born. That's the way God made you. Psalm 127 verse 1 says, Unless the Lord, unless the Lord builds the house, I like this, they labor in vain who build it. Unless the Lord builds the house, Whoever works on that house is laboring in vain if you're trying to do it on your own. Don't try to build on your own. Seek help. Amen? Seek help. God is ready to help you. Nehemiah 2.18 says, Then I told them how the hand of my God had been favorable to me and also about the words that the king had spoken to me. And they said, let us rise up. So they thoroughly supported the good work. What was Nehemiah saying? Nehemiah brought the report back to the people, and he said, hey, look, this is what the king said. I mentioned this and this. You know what? No, I I prayed first, and I fasted first, and then I sought the king. Then I sought the king to, to ask him permission to do this, and he said yes. And the Bible says that the people were built up. The people said, all right, let's do this. You see, what happened? What happened, they, they renewed, they had a renewing of momentum in their life because they saw what Nehemiah was able to do. In Nehemiah 4, 6, 
It says, for the people had worked with enthusiasm. Are you working with enthusiasm? See, God equipped Nehemiah with wisdom and strategy in the, in the rebuilding. What he did was, was very, very, very smart. He did this. Nehemiah had the individuals uh, who lived close to said wall that, they were, that had to be rebuilt. He had them work on that. So if you lived right here, then you would build the wall that was closest to your house. What does that do for the people? I guarantee you that they'll take pride in their work. Why? Because it's so close to home. They want it to look good. If you have someone working on someone else's stuff, right, they're not going to take much pride in it. But if, if someone works on their own things, they're going to make sure that, that everything is done correctly. And that's what Nehemiah did. Nehemiah had the closest resident work on that wall. And so they worked with enthusiasm. Isn't that genius? That's genius. They worked with fervor, and they worked with excellence. Hebrews 13, 21 says, May he equip you with all you need for doing his work. May he produce in you, through the power of Jesus Christ, every good and every good thing that is pleasing to him. All glory to him forever and ever. But the key for us is, can you see it? Can you see it? Are you able to see the, the finished result? Are you able to see what, what it should look like? It reminds me of those pictures that they used to have where you would, where you would focus on the center of this image and, and then for like 30 seconds, and then you would take your eyes off, and then you can see what the image contained, right? It would like come to life at you. Many people had, had, had difficulty seeing these things. Why? Because they weren't able to focus. We need to focus. When God says, when God says this and this is going to happen, and you say, well, I don't see it, God. What are you looking at? You know, I throw on my glasses. You know, I, I still can't see it. God says, I need you to focus. You're not focusing. You're looking everywhere else, and you're getting distracted. But he said, but I need you to focus, because if you focus, you will see it. It'll pop out right at you. See, Nehemiah had to see the completion of the wall before it was completed. Ephesians 4.23, Paul says, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. How many of us need our attitudes and thoughts uh, renewed today? Oh, man, I need that right now. God, renew my thoughts. Renew my attitude. Can you see things getting better as the worship team come, comes forward this morning? The difficulty of finishing the wall in just 52 days. 52 days. Supernatural. But what does it mean? It means that you and I need help. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, you need help. You can't do this on your own. But great news, you weren't meant to do this on your own. You weren't meant to do this alone. You weren't meant to live life alone. You weren't meant to wander aimlessly. God is a God of direction. God is a God of purpose. 
God is a God of planning. And God is a God of completion. He's going to finish what he has started. He's going to finish. You can be sure of that. Whether you and I believe it or not, it's going to happen. No one can stop it. The rebuilding in our lives. God wants to do it starting today. God is doing that in our lives right now. What are areas in your life that have been distractions? What are areas in your life that are causing you to lose focus? That you may have lost momentum in. Your faith may be a little shaky. God wants to restore, rebuild, and renew in your life. To restore the vision, to rebuild momentum, and to renew faith. He does this. It is our job to follow through. Follow through. It's easy to say something. And it may be easy even to start something. But we need to follow through. You need to stay with it. Don't walk away. Don't give up. Don't throw in the towel. Don't do it. Allow God, allow God to further equip you and move you in his ways. As every head is bowed, every eye closed this morning.